0: How's it going everybody? My name is Tom Hazelton. Sitting immediately to my left is Mr. Pat Sweeney. Hello. Uh, this is Pat and Tom's Story Strike. We are the podcast that dig up great stories from any medium. Whether it be kids books, literature, comics, novels, television, video games. We look for the good... The bad and the ugly when it comes to getting a story across to an audience. Very good, congratulations. Thank you. That was the first intro to our first podcast. Yeah, it was a very that was a uh, job well done. Oh, you're a job well done. Oh, thank you. Yeah, Yo, you're welcome. <laughs> uh, so, as I said in the intro, my name is Tom Hazelton. Uh, I've been friends with Pat for God, fifteen years, if not longer. Um, I also do another podcast uh, with another friend of mine named Mark Durkey. We call ourselves Foolery and Durkin Around. If you're into video game let's plays, check out the uh, the YouTube channel Tomfoolery YouTube.com forward slash Tomfoolery and Dirkin Around. <laughs> listen to our podcast, which isn't gaming related, more so pop culture related. Even if you're not a gamer, you can find a little bit, you know, something to interest you in there. Uh, you can download it off a of Google Play Store, iTunes, listen to it on YouTube. Um, but yeah, that's basically me in a nutshell. I don't really do too much. Wow, you are really good at this. Tom. Oh,
1: thank you very much. Um, I'm P- Patrick Sweeney, and this is actually my first podcast ever. Ooh, so I wouldn't say I'm nervous, but uh, I'm a little bit antsy. I just broke the tip off of my pen. What's funny is I'm twirling it in my hand. And in,
0: uh, like... in the first podcast I did with Mark, he broke a pen too. Are you serious? I am serious. Wow, so it
1: just must be a thing. It's a thing. Mark knows how I'm feeling. Um, yeah, so Tom and I have known each other for. Probably about 15 or 16 years. so we probably were, 2,000. Yeah, around two thousand. we grew up not too far from each other, though. No, but, like uh, a 15-minute
0: walk. Yeah. And our, our families are really close, too. Like the Sweeney clan and the Hazleton clan, they're pretty tight.
1: Yep, um, very tight. So I don't know what it was that, how we actually started hanging out.
0: I don't remember either, in all honesty. It just happened. Yeah,
1: I, I seem to recall after buying my first video camera, I had one of those uh, VHS-C, those mini VHS tape cassette video camcorders with
0: the uh, av out that you'd plug to a vcr to put on a big tape
1: exactly yeah. that was it and um we had a lot of fun messing around with that yeah making movies making movies um i think you said before we started this you wanted to uh talk about the the siphoning of the dirty of the <laughs> dirty water <laughs> uh, i'll st- i'll start it i i was uh i was digging a gigantic hole out in the woods uh, as you normally, as you would do, growing up in Chicago, right? Because there's nothing else to do but, but dig, dig holes, holes in the woods. Um, I was digging this hole because I wanted to make this. It was a, a spoof action movie or a satirical action movie, and I wanted to put um, spikes, like a make a like a pit of <laughs> right. spikes. Right? I, I
0: forgot why the hole was being dug. I yeah, forgot about the spikes. The hole was pretty huge. I'd
1: say it was about five feet. Uh, wide and, and across, and it yeah. probably got about three and a half feet It was deep. pretty deep, yeah. But the problem was I, c- I wanted to go deeper, of course, but uh, it started filling up with water. <laughs> so uh, one day I wanted to keep it going, and we went down there, and there was more water than ever, but I had the brilliant idea of bringing a hose down <laughs> <laughs> to, siph- to siphon out the water, and uh, we... I don't know what you take over from here. Well, just
0: Pat was like, I don't want to do it. It's gross. So he made me do it. (laughs) And uh, I just remember we we got it going. I had a mouthful of this dirty, gross, like dirt water. And uh, yeah, we got it going. It was siphoning. And we went about the rest of our day. And we went there at the end of the day thinking, oh man, the ho- the hole has to be at least half uh, empty by now. I think the water was filling up faster it, than it was. <laughs> I do too. I do too. We would have been better with a bucket. But just things like that, that's what we used to do back yeah, in the day. Just that, hanging out, just uh, having a good time. That was it, and and that
1: was about as far as my directorial ambitions went. <laughs> <laughs> you had
0: some good ones. You had a Macbeth that, that oh, was yeah. pretty popular. Oh yeah, we
1: did a Macbeth spoof. It was like a uh, a Mel Brooks style comedy. Like a Spaceballs. Yeah, that, that was fun, and you were in that
0: too, weren't you? Yep, that yeah. was like multiple characters. Um, who were you? Uh, I don't it, remember the character's name. It's been forever. Donwall? Am I... Rem- am I, I,
1: I, hope I don't I, I even remember. I hope remember. I'm saying the name right. I haven't read Macbeth in a long time. Yeah. Anyways, so that's a little intro to us. I figured I would talk about uh, how this podcast came to be. Um... The idea for it came after Tom had invited me to be a guest on his other existing cast, Alert Face, and I believe I turned him down two or three times. Uh, While I listened to Mark and uh, Tom's cast and I enjoy it, I didn't feel that I would have much to contribute to it. I'm not the person who who pays much attention to pop culture, I don't spend any time on YouTube, and I'm not aware of the latest memes or internet jokes. Um, I only just got Netflix. Most of my strong interests are in philosophy, literature, and politics. So while I was interested in being part of a podcast with Tom, I wanted it to be focused on a topic that we could both get excited about and one that would also stay true to our friendship. But I wasn't sure what that could be as we've developed in our own ways and pursued different passions. I realized that many of our ties are based in the nostalgia of our teenage years. But as we sat and talked about comic books and the video games we used to play, I realized how much those mediums of storytelling have influenced me in my own progression as a writer. So I suggested to Tom the idea of focusing on stories that have inspired us regardless of their medium. In this way, we could pay homage to our earlier influences while staying true to the foundations of our friendship. How about that? That was pretty good. I like that.
0: So while discussing uh, what our first uh, topic should be, uh, we came... To rest on goosebumps. Yeah, uh, I think it had to be. It, it had to be. It, it had to be. Strictly speaking, um, I think goosebumps is is what got a whole generation into reading <clears throat> and a yeah. whole generation of into into horror. And uh,
1: it's certainly true for me. Yeah, as far as the, as the reading and the horror, I guess.
0: Exactly. I mean, my some of my well, some of my first memories of horror actually come from my aunt. Who used to let me watch old 1970s horror movies mm. when she was babysitting me? Right, but Goosebumps was probably the first book that I just remember needing. I'm like, I need the next Goosebumps. Mm. Like, we need to go, and I, I need to keep going. Um, but for those of you who don't know, or for some of you out there who just want a refresher, uh, this is coming straight from Wikipedia. Uh, we all know and love Wikipedia, and if it's on Wikipedia, it has to be true. Mm. Uh, But Goosebumps is a series of children's horror fiction novellas by American author R.L. Stein published by Scholastic Publishing. The stories follow child characters who find themselves in scary situations, usually involving monsters and other supernatural elements. From 1992 to 1997, 62 books were published under the Goosebumps umbrella title. Uh, various spin-off series were written by Stein, such as Goosebumps 2000, Gave Yourself Goosebumps, Tales to Give You Goosebumps, Goosebumps Triple Header, Goosebumps Horrorland, and Goosebumps Most Wanted. Another series, Goosebumps Gold, was never released. I didn't know about any of these other. I you knew about, about the Fear Street. Yeah. Did it say Fear Street? It did not. No. But that... he, he did, he did it. Fear, Street Fear Street as well. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, Goosebumps has spawned a television series and merchandise, as well as a feature film starring Jack Black as R.L. Stein, which I did watch the movie, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. I heard
1: it was good. I haven't seen it.
0: Uh, So since the release of its first novel, Welcome to Dead House, which we will be covering, uh, in July 1992, the series has sold over 350 million books worldwide. It has been released in 32 languages. Uh, Individual books in the series have been listed in several bestseller lists, including the New York Times Bestseller for Children. Um, And another thing that I'm just going to keep reading here a little bit is under the Achievement section. Uh, So following the release of the first book in the series, the books quickly became popular selling a million copies a month after they first appeared. Wow. And four million copies a month by, and then selling four million copies a month by the mid-1990s. Individual Goosebump books appeared in the New York Times Bestseller List for Children and U.S. Today Bestseller List. In 2001, Publisher Weekly listed 46 books in the series in its list of best-selling children's paperback books of all time.
1: That's great an accomplishment. Uh, Goosebumps
0: was a bestseller in many countries, including the U.S., the U.K., France, and Australia. Uh, in 1996, the book series accounted for almost 15% of Scholastic's revenue. Following the decline of Goosebumps in 1997, Scholastic sales had dropped 40%. Uh, the decline in Goosebump book sales had made front-page news of most newspaper business sections. Uh, as of 2008, the Goosebumps series still maintains an 82% brand awareness among children 7 and 12. Um, it is listed as the number two best-selling children's book series of all time. sure what? Uh, does it say? It does not. Okay. And as Scholastic's best-selling children's book series of all time. Uh, by 2014, according to Scholastic, there were over 350 million copies of Goosebumps sold in 32 languages, <laughs> including Chinese, Czech, Spanish, and Hebrew. So, that's crazy. Amazing. Yep. So, that's a brief synopsis of the Goosebumps series. Wow. Um, well done. Thank you.
1: Um, okay, so... Uh, I, th- I think we're going to talk about um, maybe give some personal um, uh, recollection. Yeah, of, of how, w- how we first got into or discovered goosebumps. Yeah.
0: Um, so I remember the first time I heard of goosebumps was probably in 1993, 1994. Uh, I was in the third or fourth grade. Um, we had gotten, I don't know if you remember back in the day, and I don't know where you know what other countries or what other provinces did this but we used to get the uh the book orders every yeah. month okay yeah it was, it was literally a pamphlet of books and and what you would do is you'd take it home and you'd beg your mom and dad to give you money to buy a book certain books yeah right i love those yeah, yeah and you would fill it out but but each pamphlet always had a picture of the cover of the book and it also had like a brief description i remember seeing a goosebumps books and a goosebumps book in there and i just remember thinking wow like the plot sounds awesome it sounds pretty scary um i don't remember what one it was but i just remember like the entire class we all ordered that goosebump book like every everybody in the yeah. class wanted it and that's what started it for me and and i went down the rabbit hole quick man like
1: yeah i think everybody went down the rabbit hole <laughs> really so quick. i i
0: remember reading it and, and just needing to get my hands on the next one mm-hmm. and i remember my mom she she was she's is a retired elementary school teacher um, and one of her coworkers workers uh, her kid was just getting out of goosebumps cuz you know they were too old yeah. so i remember mom came home with a stack of 31 one day and Great. i i Great almost day. i almost shit my pants i'm not going to lie to you yeah i'm like oh man intense. look at all these goosebumps books and i remember having i remember having like the first 45 just in a stack, yeah. and I remember it was like a rainbow stack, and oh, man. So
1: you didn't, you didn't come out of your room for a while? No,
0: definitely not, and then the TV series was on, yeah. I remember watching that. I remember there were a couple episodes that actually freaked me out
1: bad. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm sure there were. I mean, I don't, besides the one that we watched yeah. and that we will cover today, yeah. I don't remember them very well. I, re- I remember Are You Afraid the Dark much better yeah. than Goosebumps,
0: but... I, I remember there was one episode of, of Goosebumps. It was uh, Piano Lessons Can Be Murder was the name of it. Okay. And it was literally um, the this kid goes and takes piano lessons, but the teacher is, like, stealing everybody's hands. and <laughs> yes. And he yes, walks I in. It's just a room of just hands <clears throat> playing the piano. Yep. And I remember at the end of the episode, like, the the piano instructor, like, he, he has the boy, and he's looking at his hands, and he's like, ooh, I love your hands, or yeah. you have amazing hands. I remember you know that what I mean? now, yeah. and, and what freaked me out, like, my dad, w- seeing me watch this, came up to me after and started doing it to me, <laughs> and I cried. Oh, right. Really? Like, just little things like that that will never come back from my childhood, you know? Yeah, that's so
1: funny. I, I remember um, The Haunted Mask. And I think one of the main reasons I remember it is because it was a, on a Halloween special. On did they show it on YTV? Is that a
0: Goosebumps? YTV uh, every Halloween used to do two hours of Are You Afraid of the Dark and then two hours of Goosebumps.
1: Right, and I think it was a, a special because Haunted Mask, I think, was the first. I could be wrong about this, but I think it was the first two part episode or hour long episode. And it was Halloween was always an event. For YTV. Yeah. Because they had that show with the cockroach and the... Oh, Freaky
0: Stories. Freaky Stories. Yeah, it happened to a friend of a friend of mine. Oh,
1: my God. So great. Good yeah. memories there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what um, what uh, did or do Goosebumps mean to you? I mean, obviously, you were a fan when you were a kid.
0: Yep. Did they...
1: They inspired you to read?
0: Well, like oh. I said, it really... I I had had... It. Is, like, it, is it all nostalgia I, for you? It's what, all nostalgia what? for me. Yeah. Um, and even going back and reading the book that that we're going to discuss, and even watching the the TV show that we watched for this podcast, you know, I went into it with the what I like to refer to as rose colored nostalgia glasses. Mm. Like you try to watch it in that same mindset from when you were like nine or ten years old. Yeah. But you know, you're 31 now, exactly. and, and you can't, right? It's in, um,
1: that's it's very interesting, um, too, and I will have some things to say yeah. about that later. Because... And.
0: Even even in that mindset of, of when I was, like, 9 or 10, I remember thinking, like, holy hell, like, this was fear. Yeah. You know? Um, it's a great
1: feeling, and it, we're, we're also desensitized
0: to it now. With everything going it's, on, it's, yeah. It's good
1: to... I, I, I can't really get that feeling back, but it's nice to get, like, little yeah. hints of it now
0: and then. Yeah. And not only that, but, like I said, I, I had been introduced to horror previously from, from a family member, but I, I can honestly say Goosebumps is... is where i get my love of horror from okay like i love horror movies i love horror tv shows horror games everything and i can always take it back to Arl stein's goosebumps very good And was it what does it mean to you pat sweeney
1: yeah um my discovery was very similar to yours you if you figured i was in grade two yeah and that would have put you in grade three yes when when i first um, discovered them and there was a little a little uh kind of library in our um, grade two classroom in the corner had you know those spinning shelves that had stacks of books and um, I don't know which book at which issue um, or uh, it it was but I think it was the cover that got me the covers are very interesting for kids obviously they're all very colorful and um, appealing to the eye so I picked one up and I uh, brought it home and read it and I was immediately hooked and uh, we also got those. I, I wish I could remember the name of those. Was it was Scholastic? Yep. Scholastic. Yeah. Scholastic book, yep. book order? Yeah. Book order. Yeah. Um, we got those two, and I don't think mom typically didn't didn't buy me things just because I asked for them. Like it, it was it was rare that she would get me books from there. But uh, somehow I got my hands on. I'll always remember. I. I forget. I had to look it up here on the on my phone. I never remember the titles, but I remember issue number fourteen and nineteen. I've always remembered that they were my first two Goosebump books that I owned. Fourteen is the Werewolf of Fever Swamp. I don't remember what happens in the story.
0: I remember the cover. It was it was a purple cover of a werewolf in the swamp howling that, at the moon. That's right.
1: Yeah, and I've I've always it's weird because I've always associated the number fourteen with the color purple, and I, that that's why that's for sure. Why, yeah. I, I didn't realize it till just now. Um, and uh, the other issue was nineteen, Deep Trouble. It has something to do with sharks. Oh,
0: the 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 feet. It was the feet in a hammerhead shark. Yeah, that's I, right. And that was brown, I think, if I remember correctly. I thought it was. I think it's blue. <laughs> Maybe but, it's blue. But
1: but anyways, I uh, I carried those books around. Even I had read them both three times over. But I carried them with me everywhere I went. No matter where I went, I had these two Goosebumps books with me. I, I loved them.
0: Oh, so you were one of those edgy kids. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: guess so. I, I I think it's just I was I was very. Uh, I was obsessed with them, and and they were kind of like like charms to me. I don't know. It was my first love of reading, for sure. Um, I can definitely say that. I don't remember reading anything before that besides, you know, the children's books that your parents buy for you. This is the first thing that I read on my own that I picked up and said, okay, I'm interested in this. Nice. So for me, it's a a lot of heavy nostalgia because I haven't revisited these books since the 90s whenever i stopped reading them because i've always known or feared that it wouldn't be quite the same so it's literally i don't know over over 20 years later that i'm we're finally going uh, back going back to this and taking a look at it and, and it's like
0: it's like you said like does it live up to your memories does it live yeah off?
1: okay so before we move on that's an interesting question what yeah. did you what were your expectations going without maybe saying you don't have to say yeah, yeah. yet what you thought, but what were your expectations coming into this? Did um,
0: You, in all honesty, going into it, I I was expecting it to be cheesy. Mm-hmm. I was expecting it to not be scary. I was expecting it to just be like a throwaway. You right. know what I mean? Like just just fluff. Um, and, and in all honesty, you know, it it did measure up to some of that. You okay. know the the, the the cheesy and, and the fluff. Yeah. But even in mine, I I read the first book, uh, Welcome to Deadhouse. Um, and there was some stuff in here that, as I was reading it, I'm like, man, like, that is dark for a yeah, kid's book. Yeah, you read me, we didn't
1: discuss our, our books to each other too much, but he did read me one quick passage that, yeah. was, that was pretty dark for, for a kid's book.
0: Yeah, and I just remember, like, as I was reading this, I was just thinking, first of all, how did I read this when I was nine or ten? yeah um and just you know sleep at night because Mm. as i'm picturing it in my mind as i'm reading it i'm like that is terrifying yeah um and even still like today like some of it's pretty scary Mm. um but yeah that's basically what i expected going into it like i said it lived up to some but i was pleasantly surprised in other aspects yeah what about you what were you thinking going into it i was
1: i was a little bit i mean not not scared in the sense that we're talking about horror. I was I was scared at uh, that I would ruin that nostalgia because I had a feeling it would not live up to what I experienced as a child, and I think there's good reason to think that. Right. Um, I read a lot now, um, a lot of um, literature, especially. So I had always heard. I, I remember hearing when hearing when I was a kid that uh, a lot of adult reviewers said that he was a terrible writer. Right. And it would, it would anger me, because I thought, well, that's not true. He's great. He's my favorite author in the world. Right. You know what I mean? So yeah. as an adult, I'm thinking, okay, well, who, do, who would I trust now? You know, yeah. a child or, or somebody who would review the book. Um, so I expected, I was excited, because I wanted to see if I could catch a glimpse of, uh, of or get a hint of, of that old uh, feeling. You know, that, that nostalgia. Yeah. But uh, I was also aware that I might destroy a beloved uh, piece of my childhood
0: <laughs> while uh, doing so. So let's just get right into it. Sure. Okay, so we'll start with my book. Okay. Uh, yeah. I read the very first book in the Goosebumps series. I read Welcome to Dead House. Mm. Uh, I'm going to read the synopsis on the back for you here. Uh, so it says, Amanda and Josh think the old house they have just moved into is weird, spooky possibly haunted and the town of dark falls is pretty strange too but their parents don't believe them you'll get used to it they say go out and make some new friends but amanda and josh do but these creepy new friends are not exactly what their parents had in mind because they want to be friends forever uh the tagline each goosebumps book did have a tagline a tagline for this book was it will just kill you that's that is dark right that is really dark. that's what i'm saying like it just seems like it it, started off so dark yeah and then maybe maybe his editor or someone came to him and was just like man you gotta tone it down a little bit
1: i don't know man because i there was some pretty crazy stuff that happened in some of the other books maybe we'll talk about that i don't if we have time maybe we'll go after we're done these we'll we'll look through the uh the list of the, the different issues, yep. see if we can recall any any good
0: uh, cool. moments from them. Um, so basically the plot, it, it's your standard stereotypical, um, you know, parents, they, they get a new house, I believe it was inherited to them by this great uncle that, that of course they don't remember, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Um, and of course the kids, they, they don't want to move, uh, you know, they don't want to leave their friends, their school, anything like that. Uh, so the book starts with them, uh, the kids are seeing the house for the first time, uh, and they're with the real estate agent uh, known as Compton Dawes, okay, so he he's there, um, he's Compton the real estate Dawes. agent, Compton Dawes. Wow, sounds um, intimidating. Exactly, uh, he's described as young and handsome right from the get-go uh the main character amanda who the book is from the perspective of okay yeah. uh, so she's she's the narrator of the book she so it's mentions... pro-
1: I, I think all his books are first person i believe perspective so i believe so one of the
0: one of the characters one yeah. of the
1: child characters
0: yeah uh so she mentions you know he's young he's handsome but her and her brother josh and their dog they immediately start feeling like uh something's wrong mm-hmm. in in this area Uh, Despite the fact that it's like the middle of the summer, the entire neighborhood uh, seems like it's covered in an artificial darkness, so it's dark all the time. Uh, That's kind of cool. Dead brown leaves, shade, and shadows are everywhere, Uh, not to mention their creepy old house that appears to have been built forever ago. Uh, The house itself is enormous dark. It's antique structure with two large bay windows on the second floor. Uh, that look like eyes i remember them saying in the book that that she says that it looks like the house is watching them right um so josh of course doesn't want to go in the house um so he stays he stays at the car mr dawes is welcoming the family into the home um and so when they're in the house the the mother and father tell amanda you know josh is out in the car sulking so why don't you go pick out your room what you want for your room and immediately, uh, she catches a glimpse of a boy standing in a doorway. Ooh, right so off the bat. Right off the bat. So it's like the first chapter. She, she, yeah, he steps up the. Uh, the fear is immediate, right? right. So I'm actually going to read. Um, a, I, and
1: that, I don't. That might not work on an adult, but I can see how that would work. You know, if you watch any horror movie, they always yeah. incrementally ramp up the fear. Exactly. But when you're dealing with kids who're reading your books, you can just boom, ghost. Yeah, right exactly. off the bat.
0: So like literally page ten. Um, So I'm going to read page 10 and 11 here. Um, Sure. So it says, I took one more look at my closet, a long walk-in closet with a light in the ceiling and wide shelves against the back wall. I was heading to the door thinking about which of my posters I wanted to bring with me when I saw the boy. He stood in the doorway just for a second and then he turned and disappeared down the hall. Josh, I cried, hey, come look. With a shock, I realized it wasn't Josh. For one thing, the boy had blonde hair. Hey, I called and ran to the hallway, stopping just outside my bedroom door, looking both ways. Who's there? But the long hall was empty. All of the doors were closed. Whoa, Amanda, I said out loud. Was I seeing things? Mom and Dad were calling from downstairs. I took one last look down the dark corridor, then hurried to rejoin them. Hey, Mr. Dawes, I called as I ran down the stairs. Is this house haunted? He chuckled. The question seemed to strike him funny. No, sorry, he said, looking at me with those crinkly blue eyes. No ghost included. A lot of old houses around here are said to be haunted, but I'm afraid this isn't one of them.
1: Wow, I remember that. I remember reading that. In, yeah. And his response.
0: Yeah. So right off the bat, like, you know, ghosts. Yeah. Obviously. Now, I mean, even even though he's brushing it aside, saying it's not happening. Yeah. Uh, you know, as the reader, you know, you know damn well that there's something's going on of course right yeah um so that's um what's it called the dramatic irony dramatic irony yeah so after she brushes it off she's like maybe maybe he's right maybe i'm just seeing things uh so she goes outside to tell josh about her new bedroom and how awesome it is but josh and the dog are gone uh mr dawes offers to provide directions while the family drive around town trying to find him uh, on the way, Amanda finds it odd that there aren't any people in the houses or front yards or even the streets. So she, she even mentions that it just seems like a deserted town, that Like they're the only ones it's there. It's like Silent Hill in a sense. Yeah, very much so. Um, but one thing that they really brought attention to at this point in time when Mr. Dawes is like, you know what, I'm, g- I'm going to help you guys find your kid. So we're going to drive around town, we're going to do whatever. But they, they make special treatment to mention he puts on a super long overcoat, and he puts on a big brimmed hat. Okay. And I'm just thinking, okay, right off the bat, I'm like... The,
1: the great thing is is that, that kids... And I think one of the reasons why Goosebumps was so successful is that a lot of kids don't know the tropes, like the yeah, horror tropes. Exactly. This is a good introduction to yeah. those horror tropes. So
0: the second I read that, I'm like, okay, something's up. I don't know if he's a vampire. I don't know if he's a ghost. I don't know what it is, but... Something's going, Something's going on with Compton Dawes, and the light hurts him, right? <laughs> so that's immediately what I thought. I'm like, your weapon here is light. Yeah. Um, so they do find Josh eventually. He's he's at the cemetery, and the way the chapter ends, um, I'm going to refer to from here on out as a Steinisms. Okay. Where where it's like a false cliffhanger. I like it. He right? does it a lot. He does that a lot. So it's like we get to the cemetery. And, and Josh is being chased yeah. and that's the end of the chapter but then it starts back up it's like actually no Josh was <laughs> the one doing the chasing I'm pretty sure in my book it actually says actually no in the very next chapter are you chapter. serious? no but it's it's, it's close <laughs>
1: enough to that
0: right so it, it turns out that Josh was actually chasing Petey the dog yeah trying, trying to catch him uh, so you know just chalk it on up to the dog got away the kid was finding him right um so they, they drop Mr. Dawes off at the real estate office and he's like, you know, we come back and the house will be yours type yeah. deal, right? So it goes, it flashes back to to their, their hometown. <clears throat> Amanda's saying goodbye to uh, her best friend, I believe her name was Amanda. Saying, "Oh, we're still gonna be friends. We're only four hours away. You know, no big deal. Uh-huh. You know, we'll still talk on the phone. Yeah, on, uh, the, on the landline. On yeah. the old landline. Yeah. Hopefully, they have call waiting, yeah. right? And a good long distance. No internet
1: plan. then either, though. So that's fine. You don't right. have to take turns. Right. Uh, connecting.
0: Yeah. So after that, they arrive back at the house, and of course, you know, Amanda, you know, they're they're freaked out because it's this creepy old house. Mm. Uh, so Amanda and Josh take turns scaring each other, like uh, you know, Amanda hides behind curtains and jumps out and scares Josh, right. etc. Uh, but the first night they're in there, she has a, a, a nightmare um, where she's sitting with her family downstairs around a brightly lit dining room table. Um, but her parents and Josh are all skeletons with no faces. <laughs> they are all sitting in silence. What do you mean
1: they're skeletons with no faces? So they're just, what, bone? I guess like, so, yeah. Like, Skele- that's, that's, skeletons uh, with no faces? Yeah, pretty
0: much, yeah. Okay, that's, so it's that's how it was solid, described.
1: So maybe their heads were turned backwards. Or, or
0: skeletons, but like the... Maybe it's just saying that like the flesh had fallen off. And it's like their skeletons. Oh, okay, so they're... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Their and faces were cut of Exactly, were cut yeah. Uh, and they're eating a pile of human bones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's... Yeah, well, so...
1: Yeah, I mean, if... A skeleton eating bones.
0: Yeah, right. Human Some bones. sort of cannibalism yeah. joke there, I think. <laughs> um, so she wakes up and, and she hears whispers and she sees other kids in in her house, um, but she manages to calm herself down every every time she sees one of these with a logical explanation. Oh, maybe it's a draft. That's why the curtains are moving. Right. You know. Uh, so eventually she makes plans with Josh and they explore the neighborhood, um, but Josh also mentions he had a strange dream too. Uh, so they, they go to the school and they bump into this kid named Ray, uh, Ray Thurston. Um, Ray Thurston. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's so
1: weird. I know Ray Thurston.
0: Yeah, I do too, actually. He owns, uh, the, the gas station. Yeah. yeah. Um, but immediately once, once she gets a good look at Ray, she's like, that's the boy I saw in my room right. the first night. Um, but she's like, "No, nah, it can't be, you know what I mean? Um, now immediately once you're introduced to this Ray character, the dog goes crazy It's just barking at him yeah i have whatever. a crazy dog in my story too yeah um so after they meet with ray they're they're going to they decide they're going to go to the school playground and hang out a little bit like oh hey you're new here i'll hang out with you type deal um and they meet up with a bunch of other kids uh but they immediately form this circle around them like the kids like are really menacing like it looks okay. like they're gonna beat them up and they form the circle around them Uh, but then Mr. Dawes appears, and he yells at the circle, he's like, what's going on? And the kids are like, oh, nothing, we're just having fun, you know what I mean, right? Um, so they, they go to the, they go to the playground, and they decide they're gonna play some softball, so they play softball. Um, and, and, uh, Amanda makes friends with another girl whose name I can't remember at the moment, um... But they become they become tight they become friends because you know it's a girl her age I think she's a year older type deal yeah. <clears throat> yeah
1: that makes sense
0: yeah um actually no I now that I think about it, I have an excerpt right here too okay because as as her name was Kathy so as uh, as they're playing softball um. The clouds in the sky, they they start clearing. Okay. And one of the other kids notices that the sun was starting to come out. So it says, The sun was coming out as my team started to take the field for the beginning of the third ending. Suddenly I heard a a loud, shrill whistle. I looked around until I saw that it was Jerry Franklin blowing a silver whistle. Everyone came running up to him. We'd better quit, he said, looking up at the brightening sky. We promised our folks, remember, that we'd be home for lunch. I glanced at my watch. It was only 1130 To my surprise, no one protested. They all waved to each other and called out farewells and then began to run. I couldn't believe how fast everyone left. It was as if they were racing or something. Karen, Karen, I think I said Kathy. Karen, yeah, her name Mm -hmm. was Karen. Karen ran past me like the others, her head down, a serious expression on her pretty face. Then she stopped suddenly and turned around. Nice meeting you, Amanda, she called back. We should get together sometime. Great, I called to her. Do you know where I live? I couldn't hear her answer very well. She nodded and I thought she said, "Yes, I know it. I used to live in your house." And that's one of the one of uh, the Is it I used to live in your house. <laughs> it... So that's one of the um one, one of the tropes of this book is is every kid that they run into are like, "You know what? I know where you live cuz I used to live there too." Right. Every kid says this when they get introduced to them. Oh, okay. So it's just kind of like, you know, what's going on here, right? Yeah. Um but once again, you know, I'm 31 years old. I'm starting to pick up on things, right? Right. Um, but I,
1: I think I I think I mean we shouldn't uh, we should give credit to the kids too. I think most people could see this coming, mm. but they might lie to themselves about it, right? Know, to keep that suspense where we'd be like, okay, well, it's obvious well, what's going to happen. Obviously, what's going on. They uh, might get that sort of that uh, that feeling of oh, I think I know where this is going, Yeah. it's
0: yeah, really dark. Right. It might encourage them to keep reading, to keep going. Yeah. Uh, so after that that initial softball game it jumps ahead two weeks and it's like they're they're constantly playing softball with these kids you know they're they're friends they're tight they do it every day right that's their thing Uh, but they notice that their dog has gotten loose again Uh, so they go around the neighborhood and they look for him um, and they can't find him anywhere and Josh becomes upset and they head home to tell their parents, who decide to call the police and reassure the kids that the dogs, you know, he's going to show up. He, he likes to wander. Yeah. Uh, their parents go to a potluck party in the neighborhood that night, and the kids go to sleep. Josh then wakes Amanda up just after midnight, insisting that Petey must be at the cemetery because that's where he ran off to on the first day. He's like, well, if that's where he ran to the first day we were here, maybe he went back. Right. Uh, so they sneak out to the cemetery, agreeing that they can be back home before their parents come home however they soon realize that they are being followed um it turns out that it's ray ray thurston yeah he's following them explaining that he often goes out for walks at night as he also has trouble sleeping uh he's very much against the idea going to the cemetery but amanda can't control josh and he begins calling out for pd in and around the cemetery um so when they get to the cemetery they discover a man-made amphitheater that's dug into the ground um ray explains that it's somewhat of a meeting place for the townspeople much uh much to amanda and josh's confusion like why would that be in a cemetery right the, this well-lit amphitheater um they they see the dog and they try to get to the dog but the dog keeps running off um and then they're horrified when they get to the gravestones because they they start recognizing the gravestones like they're reading them and they're like what's going on here and i, I
1: I remember this from the t- from the uh, TV episode. Okay. Yeah.
0: Um, so I have another excerpt from the book here when they when they discover the, the gravestone. Um, so it says, and then the circle of light came to rest on the front of a granite a granite tombstone. Reading the name on the stone, I stopped short and gasped. Josh, look! I grabbed Josh's sleeve. I held on tight. Huh? What's wrong? His face filled with confusion. Look at the name on the gravestone. It was Karen Somerset. Josh read the name. He stared at me, still confused. That's my new friend Karen, the one I talk to on the playground every day. It must be her grandmother or something, Josh said. Then he added impatiently, come on, look for Petey. No, look at the dates, I said to him. We both read the dates under Karen Somerset's name, 1960 to 1972. It can't be her mother or grandmother, I said, keeping the beam of light on the stone, uh, despite my trembling hand. This girl died when she was twelve, my age, and Karen is twelve, too. She told me. Um, Amanda Josh Scowled looked away, but I took a few steps and beamed the light onto the next gravestone. There was a name on it I'd never heard before. I moved on to the next stone. Another name I'd never heard. The next gravestone had the name of George Carpenter, nineteen seventy five to nineteen eighty eight. Josh, look. It's George from the playground. And it keeps going. Yeah. They yeah. they see everybody. They see, and then they eventually see Ray they Thurston. They see Ray I'm Thurston, sure. yeah, and that's when they're like, Oh man, like
1: that it's very similar to um. The movie *The Others*, which is funny. What, do you remember that part when they realize that the old people that are yes that, that live in the house with them yes are are dead? They yes. find that picture. Spoiler and, alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> oh, the, this is a spoiler. I know. This is a just so you all know. This there's gonna be lots of spoilers in this podcast. So yeah, yeah, If you don't like spoilers, then you're gonna have to tune into another <laughs> channel. But um, yeah, it's funny when you said that they went to the ballpark and you said. The other children. Yeah. I thought this is just this is gonna be just like the movie yep. the others, isn't it?
0: Um so when they find Ray's gravestone, of course he shows up. He's like, yeah. Hey, you know. Yeah. Uh um S- scares the pants off. Exactly. Um so he then explains, you know, the dog you're looking for. Um, he's dead. The townspeople, <laughs> they kill dogs first. Are you serious? Yeah, no joke. He, he literally says that. He says wow. that they, they kill the dogs first because the dogs can always tell who's I undead. I was not expecting that. And yeah.
1: I, I didn't remember that either. Yeah,
0: it's because, you know, that's why he was always barking at the I, kids. I because... wonder
1: if they cut that out of the Goosebumps episode. That's that's Well, really what's actually
0: funny, at the, at the end of the episode, um, like, the TV show and the book are very, very different. Mm. They take a lot of creative liberties in the show. Yeah. But what they do with the show at the very end is the dog, like after being missing for like the whole show right. he jumps in the car and then he turns gray just insinuating that he's dead right type deal um uh, but yeah they kill okay. the dogs first because the dogs can sense the presence of the undead which is why he's always barking um so amanda begins back in a way for from ray when he explains that he's the watcher for the town and he's supposed to make sure that amanda and josh don't know what's going on until it's their time um so he, his eyes begin to glow red as he goes on to say that once a year the town people must have the blood from a freshly killed person to sustain their living dead wow. existence for another year. And yeah. that this is the real reason why the Bensons were invited to Dead House. They actually no call it Dead House. No wonder this so popular. Right.
1: I'm, I'm sure kids were reading this without their parents knowing yeah. just how bad it was.
0: Um, so Amanda then she starts choking. And Ray is like floating over her. Yeah, like it's it's very very creepily detailed that she doesn't know what's happening. She can't breathe, and Ray is floating above her. And I just remember like picturing that, and I'm like, that's terrifying. You know what I mean? Um, but then Josh he he shows back up, um, and he shines his light on Ray's face, um, and Ray drops to the ground, and Amanda can breathe again, and it. This to me was described very gruesomely for a uh, for a kids book, because when the light is shone on his face, it's like his skin sags, right. it falls off, uh, and then like his eyes roll out of his skull. Yeah, and I'm like, wow, like way to go, Arl Stein. You know what I mean? That is terrifying. That is very terrifying. So that's when they learn that um, it is light. Light is their their friend. Their weakness, here. Well, yeah. The weakness of the exactly of the ghosts, um, or
1: what are you know? What are they're, they? They're
0: they're the living dead. That's all yeah. they say is they are the living dead. Okay. okay. So it's
1: kind of his own. They they don't really fit into. They're like zombie ghosts or archetype. Yeah. Or, well, it's kind of a mesh.
0: Z- zombie ghost to, zombie ghost to pyres. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so of course they run back home to tell their parents, but their parents aren't back yet, and it's like two in the morning. So they they figure their parents should be mm-hmm. home. Um, but as they're there, like all the other kids appear in the house. Um, and they explain that, you know, Amanda and Josh never had a great uncle and that the letter was sent to their parents to trick them so that they would move into dead house because they need new blood once a year. Um, so it looks like the ghosts are going to get the upper hand, but then Mr. Dawes, he he busts into the house, right? Okay. And he tells them that he was also at the party, and he's already saved their parents, so you got to come with me right now. Like, something something's going on here. So the kids are like, awesome. So he kind of saves them from... He saves them from what's going on. The ghost children. Yeah. So it's almost sunrise, <laughs> and the kids get in the car with Mr. Dawes, who pulls up to the cemetery. Um, so they get out of the car and they see Petey again of course josh is like i need uh i, I need i need to get my dog yeah. so he's chasing and he, and he trips over a tree root and immediately he he looks at the gravestone where he tripped and it's compton dawes yeah. so and and mr dawes at the beginning is like oh i'm compton dawes right you know I, i'm the only one in my family
1: i don't know why they wouldn't hide their name right <laughs> they you or know hide the gravestones or... right
0: yeah so they realize that he's also dead um, and that the whole town is dead and Mr. Dawes, you know, he catches up with them and begins to explain that many years ago, the majority of the townspeople worked at this plastics factory. Um, and there was an accident where a yellow gas escaped, floated over the town and killed everyone. That yeah. Was, uh, yeah. That's also very dark. <laughs> So they try, so they try to shine their flashlight on them, but it doesn't work.
1: Well, the plastic, it's funny because their, their faces melt like plastic. Yeah. I wonder if that yeah. has something to do I wonder. With
0: I never it. thought of that. that. That's a good, that's a good point um so they so they run away through the cemetery and of course he can't follow because they're in the in the light because it's starting to be sunrise right right um and they start to see a horde of townspeople moving moving towards the amphitheater um and then so they they sneak up into the amphitheater and they see that the uh that's full of townspeople and they have their parents tied up in the middle of the amphitheater turning
1: into resident evil 4 now
0: right um so they're tied up Uh, and it turns out that the dead children are zombies along with the townspeople and they crumble under any light so they they all die the same way uh so josh and amanda decide to push over an already leaning tree as hard as they can so um like the tree is hanging over the amphitheater so no light can get in Mm -hmm. so they push over the tree and the light comes in and everyone dies okay so well the all the zombie ghost apires die um so they go they save their parents uh And of course, they decide. You know, we're gonna move back to our old house. You know, it's a good thing we couldn't sell it because we need to move back. Um, But in the typical R.L. Stein ending, of not everything Mm -hmm. is wrapped up in a nice little package. Mm -hmm. um, Amanda decides to have one last look at dead house before they leave. So she's like, "I want to look at this house." And does it say why or just because? You know, like if if I had this grand adventure, you know what I mean. I would want to take a look at this house. Yeah, you know what I mean. Was well, um, pretty brave. I think, I think exactly. most people
1: would actually just want to bolt.
0: Yeah. So as they're as she's leaving, she sees another family pull up into the driveway, um, and a real estate agent with them who she swears is Mister Dawes. Yeah. And then she gets in her car and they leave. Okay. And that's how it ends. So it's oh, like so
1: so it wasn't that bad for them. They don't turn into ghosts. Themselves. No, they're fine. They they survive. <laughs> they just leave it to uh, another family. Yeah.
0: So that was. Uh, a, book one of welcome to dead house yeah so so
1: uh uh, what did you think of
0: it as a whole um even reading it now i liked it mm -hmm. i mean granted like i said i could see everything coming a mile away yeah um it's obviously written with a young like a young i don't want to say a kid but you know like a preteen in mind you know what i mean right um so obviously they don't use big words they and they over-explain things that really don't need explaining. Right. You know what I mean? Um, but as a whole, I did enjoy it. Like I said, parts of it were even creepy to mm. me, just picturing, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I actually I had fun listening to
0: your, um, your
1: summary of it. Yeah,
0: so if I had to rate it... Oh, okay. Tom... We're doing that. I just made it up now. Okay. You don't have to rate yours. I'm rating no, mine. No, I mean,
1: if you rate yours, maybe I'll rate uh, mine. Nine to ten-year-old Tom... Um, out of what? What are you rating this out of?
0: Out of ten. Okay. Probably give it an eight or a nine. Like... I would probably, I probably lost sleep over this, but I don't remember. You know. What <laughs> yeah, I mean? I
1: mean, I, I know I read it. Yeah, I know I, I, I read probably, it too. I probably had to sleep with with the light on at yeah. night. I'm sure. So
0: I'd probably give it's it an eight freaky. or nine. Uh, modern day Tom, I'd probably give it a six or seven.
1: Okay, well that's still pretty good. Yeah, it's it it's, it's above average.
0: A... You know what I mean? Like I, it's... I remember when I was when I was jumping in to read it, I was thinking, oh great goosebumps right yeah but i actually ended up like oh man what's gonna happen next is i'm flipping the pages right okay. so. yeah
1: it's 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 uh it sounds very interesting and, and i wonder if uh after going through my summary um i'll uh probably put some thought into whether most of his best material was, <laughs> was put into the <laughs> earlier works right um yeah i'm glad you did the long summary yeah because I think your book was better than mine. Oh, it probably had more meat to it. So you know I mean? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do the full summary. I'm just gonna try to skim through the main, the main parts of the story because it's sure. not worth um, going into. The, it's not worth it. It's not says. worth going into the full detail of of your book. So, um, are you? Do, is there anything more you want to say about it?
0: No, I'm. That pretty much wraps up "Welcome to Dead House for me. All
1: right. Um, so I did. Uh, I read How to Kill a Monster. I don't remember if I read this one when I was a kid. It's issue 43. 46. Forty-six. So it's quite a ways up there. You said there's 62. 62 okay. of the original run yeah. I, I think I read it, but uh, it, it was probably around when I stopped. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I was getting a bit older.
0: Um, Apparently, this particular issue had trading cards inside.
1: Yeah, I saw where the, the tab where they were uh, the perforated tab where they were, where they
0: were pulled out. But before you jump into it, I'm just gonna interrupt for a second because sure. I, I remember in later books they used to give you free stuff to read them. Yeah. Yeah, I remember one. Like I remember posters. I like it'd be like a poster of, of the cover. Yeah, I remember a light switch cover in one of them. Okay. It, I, yeah, I think. In I'll all honesty, it. if I'm not joking, I'm pretty sure it's still on my light switch at my parents' house in my little bedroom. You'll have to check that out. I will,
1: and you can let our, our uh, yeah. listeners know. I if it's will still for sure. there. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I, um, uh, the reason why we had these two books, um, is because someone. Someone like one of my friends, um, I
0: I put up on Facebook and Twitter that I was looking for Goosebumps books and I didn't say why, right? Um, so my buddy, my buddy Kurt Green. Yeah. Um. He lent me four books, and we had all intentions to read all four of them. But mm. after you read your one, you're like, I no. didn't.
1: I didn't want to read anymore. So it was, to it's honest. actually his
0: daughter Alexis's books. Okay. So well, thank you thank, for letting us you, uh, borrow these, Alexis. We appreciate it.
1: Um, yeah. I I would have loved to have read, say, you know, issue two or three, Stay Out of the Basement, mm-hmm. or um, Night of the Living Dummies, or Haunted Mask. But this is what we had to work with. So. Um, Tom read "Welcome to Dead House," and I picked "How to Kill a Monster" because I thought that I had read it before. I wasn't sure, mm-hmm. um, but uh, here we go. So I'll, I'll read the uh, the back. Uh, Home alone with a monster? Question mark. Gretchen and her stepbrother Clark hate staying at their grandparents' house. Grandpa Eddie is totally deaf, and Grandma Rose is obsessed with baking. Plus, <laughs> bacon. Uh, yeah, it that, comes into play. It's that's the, like it's, that's
0: like 15 years before bacon became a... No, 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 baking. Oh, ba- I thought you said bacon. No, no, baking. Oh, okay. She's okay. obsessed
1: with baking. Okay. It's very relevant to the okay. plot. Uh, plus, they live right in the middle of a dark, muddy swamp. Things couldn't get any worse, right? Wrong. <laughs> Because because there's something really weird about Grandma and Grandpa's house, something odd about that room upstairs, the one that's locked, the one with the strange noises coming from it, strange growling noises. And uh, what do you call those? The tagline. The the tagline at the front. Okay, so it's how to kill a monster. Step one, run. Step two, run faster. It has nothing to do with killing a monster. So (laughs) it's how to escape from a monster, but but that escapes Mr. Stein, but it's all right. That's okay. Well, forgive him. He wrote a very good first book, Welcome to Dead House. Welcome to Dead
0: House. If, um, if you're going to read any Goosebumps book, make sure it's yeah, Welcome to Dead House. No, I, I,
1: I stepped into this thinking it wasn't going to be as uh, as good as I'd hoped or as memorable. I was, uh, I was still very disappointed at... at at uh, the outcome of the book or my my perspective of it, but, but I, I lots of, I have lots to say about it. After. I also I
0: also do um, remember when we were picking who was gonna read what, because we had said someone needs to read the first one. Yeah, and and you and, it's, and it's, it was it's, me. we're lucky
1: we got the first one. Yeah, I'm very glad that we were able to to
0: but, one of us be able to read that. I remember you saying when we picked, you're like, I'm gonna read issue 46. He's in his groove by then. It's gotta be better. Yeah, like,
1: yeah, um. I was wrong. (laughs) Okay, so without further ado. um, How to Kill a Monster. Okay, so as I said, it's about... um, I'm just going to try to wing this. It's about Gretchen and her uh, little half-brother, Clark. So they're going to Georgia to stay their grandparents while their parents are going to be working in Atlanta. So they also have a dog with them named Charlie, I believe. Um, So on the way there there's plenty of those little cliffhangers they they get as they start entering the swamp they uh, swerve off a bridge and it sounds like it's going to be the end of the novel yeah, we we're going yeah. down and down and down and under and under into the muck and then the next the, immediately the beginning of the next chapter the swamp was actually only a foot deep <laughs> so they <laughs> I were love that. they were able to get to get out and um, so they get to the to their grandparents' house And they describe it as somewhat of a a castle, almost, in the swamp. It's a really bizarre, eccentric house. Just in the middle of a swamp. In the middle of a swamp, there's all these old trees around, and there's just the one road that leads to, I imagine, some sort of um, uh, earth or island made of dirt, which the house is on, and all around it is just muck and swamp. So, of course, they have uh, some fun early... um, scares where they're running around the swamp and they, they think they see, uh, swamp monsters. Uh, Clark likes to read comic books. Who,
0: who doesn't love a good comic? Yeah, and he, he
1: actually has a comic book about swamp monsters, mind you. So it's, it's perfect. And, uh.
0: Now, what I need to know is, and you might answer this later, but I want to ask it now. So he has a comic book about swamp monsters. Does it actually pertain to real life swamp monsters?
1: Um, it doesn't go into that much detail. Okay. It just says it's swamp monsters. Okay. I
0: was gonna say it's like in the comic book. It says you need to do this to a swamp monster, and they do it. Oh <laughs> no, 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 Okay. no, no.
1: That's uh there is a great scene later when they try to, okay. to kill the monster. It doesn't come from the comic book, but it's it's great. It's human ingenuity at its finest. <laughs> um, so the sister is trying to scare Clark, um, pretending there's swamp monsters in the woods or in the swamp there, and. So there's a lot of that and they're very bored. They think their parents are weird. The grandma, every time she cooks she makes like uh, she goes over overkill on the baking. She'll make like 50 pancakes for the four of them, right. Um, and they don't know why she's making so much extra food. Of course it's it's very, for the monster. It's for the monster, so you know it's easy to see that one coming and so one day the uh, or the second or third day there, the grandparents tell the kids to explore the house. It's really huge, they can have fun if they they go look around and they so they go up I think there's three floors, and it's really weird because most of these gigantic rooms are just empty, completely empty, and there's nothing scary about them. It was like. R.L. Stein was just being very lazy, like he was rushing through this book. He didn't want to describe the rooms, what he could have done, all kinds of stuff, and it was just another, oh, another big empty room, nothing in it. Oh, this room is empty. It has a piano in it, though. Just just one piano, Yeah, that's it. They find a couple of creepy rooms, just like some old toys and stuff, but they don't go into any sort of, uh, they don't set up anything like they did in your book. Right. Really. But, uh, of course, there is a closet on the third floor, or a room, a locked room, and they're not allowed to go into it, and one day, I think the the dog runs upstairs, so Gretchen goes to find him, and this is uh, immediately after they have their pancakes, mm-hmm. and Grandma had cooked, you know, like 50 pancakes, so she's up and ru- running around the third floor looking for her dog, and she sees her grandpa with this gigantic tray of pancakes. Uh, so she doesn't know what he's doing. She starts uh, following him around, uh, trying to see where he's going. And at one point, the dog starts barking. And it turns out the grandpa's kind of deaf, so he thinks the dog barking is his wife. So he starts, <laughs> calling, he starts calling out to his wife. So he doesn't figure out that she's sneaking up on him, but um, uh, I don't know. I don't remember what happened. She doesn't find out what's, what's in the room. But uh, I think it's the next day, the... Grandparents say that they have to run to town, and that they can explore the house again if they want, but not to go into the locked room on the right. third floor. So of course they do. They go, and the key is right in the lock. Okay, <laughs>
0: just so randomly in the lock.
1: Random. Well, they left it there, I guess. They told them not to go in the room, but so they, here you go. They, going they put the room. that temptation into their hearts. Yeah, and then they. It's like it. It's like they were testing them. Yeah, but, but in the end, they weren't. It was just. Um, carelessness on their part. Um, So, I want to read to you the part where she opens the door and finds the monster. Okay, so she opens the door. Here we go. I nearly fell into the room. I couldn't move, couldn't back away, couldn't take my eyes off him. A living, breathing monster, at least ten feet tall, standing inside the locked room. I gaped at his big, furry body, a body like a gorilla, with leaves and tree roots, and... Uh, sand tangled in his fur His head was scaly With snapping rows of jagged alligator teeth A foul stench filled the room The putrid smell of decay The smell of the swamp My stomach heaved The creature raised his eyes to me Bulging eyes set into the sides of his, of his enormous head He held me in a stare for a moment Then he glanced down at his hairy paws Where he balanced a, st- a tall stack of pancakes <laughs> <laughs> <He'd-> <laughs> He began stuffing the pancakes in his mouth, devouring them, gnashing them with his jagged teeth. Still gripping the door handle, I stared at the monster as he ate. He jammed another stack of pancakes down his throat. He swallowed them whole and grunted with pleasure. His horrible alligator eyes went wide. The thick veins in his neck throbbed as he ate. I tried to call for help, to scream, but when I opened my mouth, no sound came out. With one hand, the monster shoved pancakes into his mouth, stacks at a time. (laughs) With the other, he scratched at one of his furry legs. I don't know what that has to do with anything but he scratched and scratched until he found a oh here we go until he found a big black beetle nesting in his fur he held the beetle up to the side of his head to one of his bulging eyes the beetle's legs waved in the air he glared at the beetle at the waving legs then he popped the bug into his mouth and chomped down on its shiny black shell with a sickening crunch blueberries and beetle juice oozed from his mouth Run! I told myself, "Run!" Don't say
0: Beetlejuice two more times. But I was
1: too terrified to move. The creature reached down for another stack of pancakes. I forced myself to take a small step into the hall. The monster jerked his head up. He glared at me. Then he let out a deep growl. He let the pancakes slide to the floor and lumbered toward me. Man, he really loves. He was holding on to those pancakes to the last moment. I ran, screaming for help, as I charged into the hall. Gretchen, Gretchen, what's wrong? Clark turned the corner at the end of the corridor. A monster in the locked room. Hurry, I shrieked. Hurry, get help. I leaped down the stairs. Grandma, Grandpa, I I cried out. A monster. I turned to see if the beast was following me and realized that Clark hadn't moved. There's a monster in there, I wailed. Get away, Clark, get away. He snickered. You must think I'm pretty stupid to fall for that one. Clark headed toward the door of the monster's room, grinning. No, please, I pleaded. I'm telling the truth. You just want to, stare, to scare me, to get even. I'm not kidding, Clark. Don't go in there, I shriek. Don't. Clark reached the door. Here I am, swamp monster. He called out as he stepped into the room. Come and get me. Oh. So up to that point, that was the most interesting chapter. Fair. It, it was... Uh, I laughed harder than we just did. But it was still the best chapter up to that point. Um, so, uh, where are we at here? So what happens after that is... This, the swamp monster is still in the room. Yep. I expected him to disappear of for whatever course. reason, but that didn't happen. He's in there, so yeah. Clark comes running out, and suddenly the door is open, and this monster's on the loose. <clears throat> so uh, they go down uh, downstairs to find their grandparents, and uh, they realize that all the windows and doors have been nailed shut and locked from the outside. And they look out the window, and the grandparents are driving away in the car. <laughs> so they thinking, "Oh my God! Like these are some great, uh, great uh, caretakers." Um, so they don't know what to do, and they find a note, two notes left on the fridge. So I'm gonna read to you what one of the notes, the first note, said. Clark, I shouted impatiently, "What does it say?" Clark began to read the letter out loud. Dear Gretchen and Clark, he started, the paper fluttering between his trembling fingers. We're sorry to do this to you, but we had to leave. A few weeks ago, a swamp monster invaded our house. We captured it in the room upstairs, and we didn't know what to do with it. We didn't have a car, so we couldn't get to a phone to call for help. We've lived in terror for the past few weeks. We were afraid to let the monster out. It's so loud and angry all the time. We know it would have killed us. My knees started to wobble as Clark continued. We didn't want to tell your parents about the creature. If we did, they wouldn't have let you come. We don't get many visitors here. We uh, We wanted so much to see you. But I guess we were wrong. You should have gone to Atlanta with your mother and father. I guess we were wrong to let you stay." They guessed they were wrong. They guess, I shrieked. Can you believe them? Clark peered up from the letter. His face was white. Even his freckles seemed to disappear. He shook his head, stunned. Then he continued to read our grandparents' letter. We've been feeding the creature, slipping food through an opening. Grandpa saw in the bottom of the door. The monster eats a lot, but we had to feed him. We were afraid not to. We know it's unfair to run off now, but we're just going for help. We'll be back." We'll be, sorry, we'll be back as soon as we can find someone. Someone who knows what to do with this horrible beast. Sorry kids, we really are. But we had to bolt you inside the house to make sure you didn't wander into the swamp by yourselves. It's not safe out there. Were they for real? Not safe out there, I cried. They they left us left us in this house with a killer monster, and they say it's not safe out there. They're both crazy, Clark. Totally crazy. Clark nodded and continued reading. Sorry, kids. We really, really are sorry, but just remember one thing you are perfectly safe as long as the monster upstairs let a loud bellow and Clark dropped the letter. Of okay. course. So Leather falls out, uh, falls underneath the refrigerator. So yeah. they can't find out what to do in case The monster gets out. So they eventually get the note from underneath the refrigerator. And it says, uh, yeah, it says, you're perfectly safe as long as you don't let the monster out, is what it says. And I think later on, there's more to the letter. And it basically says that you're going to have, if the monster escapes, you're going to have to kill it. But it doesn't say how. It just says, if the monster escapes, you're going to have to kill it. So these the adults leave, bolt the kids inside, and say, you're going to have to kill this monster. If And I think that, that must have been their plan. Why else would they leave right. the key in the lock and tell them not to go in the room? In hopes
0: that the kids will know how to do it and or it will just kill the kids. Yeah, these
1: are really irresponsible grandparents. grandparents. Um, cook a good pancake, though. <laughs> Basically, this turns into Home Alone. And the kids are just trying different ways of killing this monster by setting up booby traps and
0: it, it's funny that you say that it turns into home alone because on the back of the book it says home alone with a monster but does that mean we're home alone or the movie home alone with a monster that's what i was thinking when you were oh. reading it and... it's,
1: it's fun i i don't think that's what it means because it's not exactly like that... Like Home Alone. But that's what, what I was thinking. What year did Home Alone, was Home Alone?
0: Uh, Home Alone would have been out by now. Yeah, this is, yeah, yeah, because yeah, it's
1: is issue 46. Exactly. So it would have been like 95 yeah, or something. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's basically what it turns into, is a Home Alone scenario where they have to try to booby trap this monster to death. And there's a few ways to try to do it, but I figured I'd read to you um, the funniest way okay. that, that doesn't work, and then the way that actually All right. does. Uh, (laughs) This is great. I was laughing my head off. If if this book was entertaining, if nothing else. Um, Okay, where are we? So, the monster is chasing them around the house, and they go into the kitchen. On the counter set one of Grandma's rhubarb pies. The monster hasn't eaten since this morning, I told Clark. We'll put this pie out on the counter where he'll see it. But that will only slow him down for a second, Clark whined. He shut Charlie in the room. "'He'll gobble the pie in one bite. "'Then he'll come after us again.' "'No, he won't,' I insisted. "'We're going to poison the pie. "'We'll put stuff in it, enough stuff to kill him.' "'I don't know,' Gretchen Clark argued. "'I don't think that's going to work.' "'Charlie whimpered behind the closed door as if he agreed. "'We have no choice,' I snapped. "'We have to try something.' "'I found a fork and carefully lifted up the pie crust with it. "'Then I searched the cabinet under the kitchen.' sink. It was filthy under there, damp with green mold growing on the pipes. I found a jar of turpentine. <laughs> this part is great. I found a jar of turpentine sitting on the shelf right in front. The lid was screwed on tight. I had to twist it hard to open it. I slowly poured the entire jar of turpentine into the pie. Yuck. That stuff stinks, Clark said, holding his nose. I studied the pie. It was wet and runny now. I think we need something to soak up the turpentine, I told Clark. This should do it. I held up a can of drain, <laughs> drain cleaner. I sprinkled the blue drain cleaner crystals uh, over the pie. They made the rhubarb bubble and <laughs> Bless me. Clark leaped back. I think that's enough, he said. I ignored him. I stuck my head under the sink and came up with two jars. Rat poison, I explained Exclaimed Reading the dirty label On one of them Excellent The other jar was filled With ammonia (laughs) Hurry Clarkards I hear the monster He's coming I sprinkled the pie With the rat poison And poured in the ammonia too The monster's groans Came closer Each time he groaned Or growled I jumped I found an old can Of orange paint And dumped it Into the pie That's enough We have enough Clark insisted in a panic So at this point I'm laughing She just doesn't stop Putting stuff into it Just anything under the sink Yeah okay okay I just want to make sure this works I shoved in a handful of mothballs <laughs> I forgot about that part hurry urged. close it up he's coming the monster's footsteps pounded the living room floor hurry Clark begged I sprayed the top of the pie with bug spray <laughs> Gret- <laughs> Gretchen Clark pleaded with me I placed the poison pie on the counter it's so sweet your teeth will fall out Uh, After one bite, Grandma's words came back to me. It better do more than that, I told myself. It better kill a monster. Here he comes, Clark cried. We ducked under the kitchen table. The monster stomped into the kitchen, peering out from under the table. I could see him swing his arms wildly. He knocked over dishes, pots, glasses, everything in sight. Then my heart stopped when I saw the big creature turn. He hesitated. Then he took a step toward the kitchen table. Another step. Another Clark and I huddled together under the table. We were both trembling so hard the table shook. The swamp monster sees us under here, I realized. We're trapped. What is he going to do? Okay, so I'm going to skip ahead to when he actually gets to eating the pie, because it takes him quite a while to get there. I peered out from under the table and saw the creature heading toward the counter. Yes, he stopped and sniffed. He saw the pie. He eyed it for a moment, then he lifted it to his mouth and shoved it in yes i cheered silently he's eating it he's eating our pie he chomped away at the pie chomped and shoved more into his huge mouth chomped and shoved chomped and shoved he licked his big lips as he ate he licked his paws he rubbed his stomach oh no i groaned he likes it so anyways he falls over presumably dead shortly afterwards and they i think they kick him to see if he's dead and then so everything's good again they're all happy and turns out, though, he's not dead. Of course. So soon after he gets up and uh, I think he lets out a big burp or something. <coughs> and so I'm going to uh, go over to the part where he actually um, dies and okay. how that happens. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's something. Um. With another angry growl, the beast swung at Clark, shoved him hard against the wall. Then the monster leaned down and pulled me up to his face. He opened his mouth. His disgusting bug-infested tongue rolled out, and he licked me. He ran his hot, bumpy tongue up and down my arm. Then he lowered his enormous teeth as he prepared to chew off my hand. No! A horrified shriek tore from my throat. The monster's jaw swung down. His mouth gaped open. The bugs swarmed over his yellow teeth. He lowered his mouth to my hand. Then he stopped and let me go. He backed away, staring at me, staring at my arm, eyes bulging. I stared at my arm too. It was covered with disgusting monster saliva. The monster raised his hands and clutched at his throat now, choking, choking on something. He raised his wet eyes to me. You, you human, he choked out. He can talk, (laughs) Clark gasped. You human, you human, he demanded. Yes, I'm a human, I stammered. The monster threw back his head and groaned, Oh no, I'm allergic to humans. Oh my god. His eyes rolled up. He staggered forward and collapsed against the door to the outside. It crashed open under his heavy weight. Moonlight streamed in. He lay there on his the stomach. He didn't move. I rubbed my wet arm and stared down at the swamp monster. Was he really dead this time? So and sure enough, he was dead. It's what, not the end of the book. but
0: What that reminds me of is um, the remake of War of the Worlds. Where the aliens come and they die from a common cold.
1: Oh, really? I, yeah. th- I never saw it. Okay.
0: But, but, uh... Or, even better, it reminds me of Signs. You ever watch that movie? Yeah. Okay, now, the aliens in that movie were... they? It was water that killed them. Right. So don't you think you do research on a planet that's 80% covered in water and it randomly falls from the sky? Yeah. Like, that's just what it reminds me of. That was,
1: um... The... Like, Perpetual downfall of
0: yeah. M. Night. M. Night Shyamalan.
1: Shyamalan. Shyamalan. Yeah. I didn't mind that movie. Maybe... Yeah. We I watched it at your house, actually. Yeah, you did, yeah. Um, okay, so I'll uh, cut the chase here. Grand finale. Um, so, basically... I don't want to read this whole thing. It's no. pretty long. But uh, they run out into the swamp. And they finally realize they haven't read the second letter that grandma and grandpa have left for Right, because they left too, yeah. Right, so they think they're free. She says, oh, Clark, let's read that letter now that we have time. And the letter, of course, says, oh, whatever happens, if you do kill the monster, don't go out into the swamp because his brothers and sisters are very mad at us for capturing him. And they've been wanting him back, and they can see the shadows of them coming out from the darkness. But which? Why would you be afraid? they are allergic, allergic to, humans, to humans,
0: unless he's unless he's just allergic to humans, because Maybe. not every human is allergic to pollen. That's that's true. So they just have to hope. Yeah, but it. they didn't really elaborate on that. Uh, so that was how to kill
1: a monster. It was, it, you know, it seemed like in your book he was trying to go for fear, yeah. and this was just, what do you call it? Like. Camp comedy, yeah,
0: campy comedy,
1: campy comedy, yeah. all the way through, and I'm not yeah. a fan of camp. Yeah, so it it didn't really. Uh, I laughed, but it was, <laughs> see, it was sarcasm.
0: <laughs> so if you had to rate it right now, what would you give it? <clears throat>
1: um, oh jeez, I don't know. Like I got a few laughs at it. I'd probably give it like a like a a two out of ten or something like that. Right. I mean, part of the thing that bothered me at first was just how how poorly written it was. Mm-hmm. There were sentence fragments everywhere, everywhere. Um,
0: so, so but be- before you elaborate on this, yeah. um, I, we should tell people that you yourself are an aspiring author. Uh, so, so you yourself. Yeah, but, I
1: mean, it's I, I'm not. I don't claim to be uh, that great of a writer, no, or, but, an, or an expert. But I, I mean, I, I read a lot.
0: But whereas you yourself will focus on sentence fragments or you yeah. know what I mean, whereas, or run on sentences or whatever, whereas yeah, but I will they're won't. so
1: distracting, I, see okay. I flipped through your book before we did this, and I was looking for them okay. and I couldn't find nearly as many it's okay. like his writing got worse right. they're everywhere, this whole book is just filled with sentence fragments that just halt you in your tracks, like there's no flow right. um, to the prose um, sentence fragments can work, I mean Cormac McCarthy uses them all the time it, they can be used effectively but you kind of have to know how like, I, I have one example here. Here's an example of, of just the kind of thing that you run into constantly in this book. Clark cupped his hands around his mouth and yelled, later, then he turned back towards the path, and tripped. That's a sentence. And, right. And, and tripped. tripped. So he turned okay. back towards the path, and tripped, over a dark form that rose up quickly. Why wouldn't you just say, and tripped over a dark form? That yeah, rose up quickly? I get, yeah, I get what you're saying. You, you don't have to, to cut that in two. Yeah. And it was just chock full of them, so I found it very hard to, to, to get in any, any rhythmic flow right. with, the, with, the, with the book. But that being said, there's something I, I, I did want to say, is that I am looking at this book um, in the eyes of an adult, and I don't think it's fair. W- one of the thoughts I had when I was a kid when I heard about this, there's this reviewer that gave Erlstein a nasty review, and I even think it's on the wiki. Okay. It was a very nasty review. And I was angered by that when I was a kid because I thought, well, you know, what does he know? Like this is these are these are kids' books, and it's the way I feel now is uh, an an adult can't see it from the same perspective. You're gonna see you go through so many different experiences, and you learn so much. Uh, It's like Hook. I'm pretty sure Hook has bad reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. Right. I've read some of the reviews reviews before. And a lot of them really trashed that movie. I think mm-hmm. When I was a kid, I thought it was the greatest thing on earth. It's, right. It's all in your... Banderang! It's, it's your uh, perception of it. Right. So I just uh, want to say that uh, my review of this book shouldn't be taken too seriously. Because it is a, a book written for kids, and I understand that. Yeah. But just as far as me reading it now, it, it, was, it was very disappointing. And I understand why... Um, Of course, why it was popular with kids. It was written for kids. Exactly. But um, hard to read as an adult.
0: Fair enough. So we're going to move on to the TV series. Um, You came over to my house a couple nights ago. We decided to pick a two-part episode. And we also picked the second book, which was Stay Out of the Basement. Yeah. Um, We decided to do that strictly because we didn't have the book to read. So we just figured, why not watch it, see, mm. and, and see, you know what I and mean. And We wanted the two-part episode, right? Yeah, and we wanted a two-part episode. Um, so going going to the TV series, the TV series was insanely popular, and I just want to say for the record, I'm pretty sure it has one of the best opening intros <laughs> of the '90s.
1: That was a that was like I said that that hunter glimpse of a nostalgia feeling you can get yeah. when, when I heard that. Uh, Intro that was pretty special because I, I hadn't heard that in a long dun,
0: time. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> and what's up with the G? Like this G just turns everything bad.
1: Yeah, it's kind of cool. I forgot about that too. Like the woman on the billboard. Yeah, the dog. Um, what else? Has... Well, the dog that was a bit cheesy. His eyes just glow. And then the
0: door just opens and it shows clips from the show.
1: Um, fun fact: the the man in the trench coat and the hat at the beginning. Yeah. I'm quite sure it is Earl Stone. It could be. Um, I should have researched that before. I it's something I I. I... <laughs> Always had wanted to know. No, I had it in my mind that it was true because I was yeah. I was told that a long time ago. I don't actually I don't know if it's true,
0: but right. I, I would uh, I'd put money on it. So with stay out of the basement. Um, I hate to say it, but there's not really too too much plot to to talk about because most of the plot development is the kids trying to go into the basement and the dad just yelling at them to stay out of the basement. Mm, yeah. Um, it... Fun fun fact. The word "basement" in the forty-five minutes of this episode was said sixteen times. I think
1: they slowed down near the end, though. Didn't eight they? of
0: think... which were in the first ten minutes. Um, so, like, it literally starts <clears throat> off the mom. The mom's leaving. She's like, "Hey, your aunt is sick, um, so you know, make sure you don't get in any trouble and stay out of your dad's way because you know he's working on something." Yeah. Uh, come to find out that that the father is a botanist, but he's recently lost his job from the university um, and he feels it was a wrongful dismissal. So he's working on this, this project, whatever it is to, to get back in the university's good graces. Yeah. So as the episode goes, the father gets more and more progressively weird. He's like eating plant food yeah um, I remember he gets cut open at one part and it oozes green
1: he he also gets increasingly um hostile and abusive towards his children oh man like it's very bad it's it it's, is. it's really it's actually we talked about this. Mm-hmm. It's different seeing it, I think, as an adult. Like, uh-huh. When I was watching it, I was like, wow, that's an extremely abusive father. Yeah. And I think when I was a kid, I probably would have thought, wow, that's a strict parent.
0: Yeah. I and mean, it's funny because, like, even in my notes when we were watching it, I put dad exhibits psychopath-like tendencies, especially when trying to get his kids to eat.
1: Oh yeah, because he's trying to force him to eat this weird plant-based thing that he 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 put on the on the breakfast table.
0: And he's like very mean about. It. He's like, "You better eat it." He's like, "I'm gonna go answer the door because someone's knocking at the door. When I come back, your food better be gone." Yeah. Right?
1: There's something I wanted to mention too about the whole him being psychotic. He uh, he he even uh, it, it's it's like it's clinical. Yeah. Like he's he's gaslighting his children and everything. He's just the the daughter. What, what was her name? Margaret. Margaret, I think she says, Dad, I saw um, I saw you doing this or doing some weird thing and he just straight up denies it. He says, No, you didn't like, yeah. but he, he, he uses that intimidation to convince her that she's the crazy
0: one. Yeah.
1: So it's it's straight up gaslighting and he's he's doing everything but swearing at them. Like he he'll, he'll yell at them.
0: Yeah, but he, and he doesn't he doesn't physically abuse them either. No,
1: but when he first when they first go in the basement, he catches them. It even made us jump, I think. Yeah, it he's, did. He's at the top of the stairs and he just yells, "Stay out of the basement.
0: Basement, basement."
1: basement. As loud as he possibly can. Yeah. And you see the the shock on the kids' faces.
0: Yeah.
1: To me that's going it, through it, that was the scariest part. Was, oh, 100%. And his uh, he was very um, monotone, emotionless. He w- reminded me of um, Robert Patrick as, as T-1000. Oh, nice. That's,
0: yeah, that's, 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 what that's I a felt, very good comparison. That's what I felt. Yeah. Um, um, so, of course, you know, Margaret calls her mom, says this is going on, and the mom's like, oh, you're crazy. You know what I mean? Um, but the one thing that surprised me, in all honesty, was when when they finally ask their dad, what are you doing? He straight up tells them. I'm I'm crossing a plant with a human. I'm trying to make a plant that's a human. Does you know? he
1: tell him that it's not right away? No, it it's takes not. It a while, right? But
0: when they when they straight up ask him, right, what are you doing cuz we saw this and we saw this. He's like, "You know what? I'm going to tell you. That's why I have, you know, leaves for hair right now, you know what I mean?" <laughs> um so that goes on for a little bit. Uh so after he's working on this project for a while, he invites someone from the university to come look at his experiment mm-hmm. to see the the progress, mm-hmm. and uh, of course, you know the guy from the university goes missing. You know the wife's calling the house like he hasn't come home yet. You know. Yeah.
1: Um. Oh, backtracking a bit, I, I in my notes here I had something I thought was funny when the uh, the kids start to realize that there's something very wrong with their dad. Uh, Margaret looks at her. Um, little brother, and says, uh, what, "What's his name? Casey." Casey. She says, uh, "Casey." Um, our dad. He's like, "Yeah, what's wrong with him?" She goes, "I think Dad's a mad, mad scientist. scientist." I had that in my notes yeah, too. Yeah, I thought that was just kind of funny.
0: Yeah. So just always like a, a mad scientist. Um, yeah. but like uh, the books, the the first episode uh, does end on a cliffhanger. Mm. Where they throw a frisbee, and it goes by the basement door, and Casey's like listening down there because he can hear his dad yelling at the guy from the university, yeah, right? So there's he's a listening fight going on, and then the sentient plant plant comes up from behind him, uh, and it looks like the plant's gonna attack, and that's where the episode ends. Yeah. Um. But I just want to say for the record, when the plant does attack, uh, I I put this in my notes too because there is a quote that if you walk into a room not paying attention to the rest of the episode. And you take it out of context. It's hilarious. Okay. So when he's wrapped up by the plant. Yeah. And Margaret's trying to save him. Casey screams. Pull, pull, pull. Harder, harder, harder. <laughs>
1: Only <laughs> you, Tom. Right.
0: Um,
1: yeah. So at one point. This is before. They, they haven't gone into the basement. No. Yet. To try to figure out... Well, they've been
0: in the basement, they've but been not since minds. they've known. Yeah. Okay.
1: I, I, there's something I have in my in my notes here. Um, they Casey confronts his dad, and he says, uh, Dad, you're not a mad scientist, are you? And he replies, um, No. I'm an angry scientist. Yeah. Of course, in his his very um, abrupt and loud, yeah. abusive way of saying it. <clears throat> um... So, what happened next was this... He leaves, and there's a storm brewing.
0: Yeah, so... Right? I actually have written, Q Dark and Stormy Night for episode climax. Yeah. Um. So, he leaves, and they're gonna go down into the basement, but he has, like, crazy security on the door. Like, padlocks and, mm. and everything else, so... So they can't go down there. Um, but the dad himself, at this point in time, he's like even more psychotic. He's just no emotion, no feeling. Yeah, I
1: I wanted to actually say something about that. Um, the show did a really a pretty good job of demonstrating his his moral collapse. Like he yeah. was he was an abusive psycho to begin with. Yeah. But he progressively gets worse and worse and worse. Um, at one point. Casey is just Casey's really young. I don't know how old he is—seven, yeah, seven, seven or eight. Yeah, and he's looking up at his dad like, "Like, what's happened to you, dad?" And the dad literally says, "Stop gawking at me."
0: Yeah.
1: And I thought that was like that's for a kid show yeah. for the dad to just be like, "Stop gawking at me." Yeah. Like, this is like an adult show. Yeah. Of uh, uh, an abusive parent, and um, so as the storm kicks up, mm-hmm. it, it kind of goes along with his. Um, perpetuation of his, uh, uh, you know, his his moral collapse. Uh, the the storm's picking up. He's getting worse and worse. So we're starting to get the sense that something bad's gonna happen. He's gonna snap. Yeah. We didn't know what was gonna happen. I called it wrong. You yep. saw what was coming once they got down to the basement.
0: Yeah. Um. Um. But before they get to the basement, uh, the dad leaves. So they have the evidence. So like, well, we're gonna call mom. And tell her what's going on, mm. uh, but they can't find the number because the dad hid it, so they can't call their mom. So they go up into their bedroom to try and find this number of where he hid it. Right. And one thing that I thought that the show did really well is I don't know about you, but mm-hmm. when I was growing up, yeah, my parents' bedroom was like you don't go in your parents' bedroom. Yeah. Right. Oh, and they, and they did a really good job of conveying that to uh, like with the kids. You know, yeah. Like it's like oh man we can't go in there. Yeah. You know, Like and I, I that's one thing that stuck out to me because. I thought about that after the fact. I'm like, you know what's right? Like you thought that you can't go into your parents' bedroom. Yeah,
1: it's taboo for sure. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, so so that she sneaks in. Of course, the dad comes in. Um, what did we get
1: to the phone call yet?
0: That's what we're at right now. Okay. Um, so the dad comes in. She hides under the bed. No, no. The, the phone, phone call, call comes first. first. That's right. And it it goes to the answering machine. That's that's the doctor from the university's wife. She's like, he hasn't come home yet. Yeah. So. So we're starting to think that something
1: very bad happened to the doctor. Dr. Merrick was his name. That's right.
0: And uh, so she tries to delete the message, if I remember correctly. Um, Because, yeah. Because she didn't didn't want the
1: the father to get the message. Right,
0: because she didn't want the dad to get it. So that's when he comes up. And she hides under the. Uh, she, she he left
1: the house. We yeah. thought he was gonna be gone for a while, and I thought for sure they were gonna break right into the basement. Yeah. But turns out he forgot something, so yeah. he comes back. Yeah. And almost catches her. Right. In but the room, she has to hide under the. She hides bed. under the bed, and yeah. while while she's
0: hiding under the bed, you see his feet and like worms are like falling to the ground. Yeah. Out of his pocket, so you, you see from her view, she's yeah. looking out at his feet. Yeah. And he's sitting on the edge of the bed, and worms fall down, and then he drops Doctor Merrick's wallet. Yeah. With his ID. Um, so we know that he has
1: something happened to merrick he has as well i don't think that was ever resolved though well we'll Well, it kind
0: of was yeah um so then he leaves and when when she gets out from under the bed casey comes in because the dad's left right and Casey's like you know hurry up what are you doing type deal and that's when she's like dr merrick's wife called dad has his wallet and i start noticing the bed's moving so yeah. they, take, they take the cover off and it's just dirt and worms. Yeah, so and I
1: think that was one of the shots in, in the intro. In the intro. There was
0: actually, I noticed after we watched this, there's at least three shots from this episode in the intro. It
1: makes sense. It was episode two. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And there's a lot of good scenes in there they, um, they had to work with.
0: So now's the time they decide to go into the basement. And we have a standard late 80s, early 90s equipping scene. <laughs> Yeah. Which I love. Yeah. But the fact that they have an industrial sized can of weed killer, mm. I'm like what's is this going just like on? a like a Rambo scenario yeah. or a... But at the same time, it's you know, a, it's he's a it's botanist.
1: A montage of them just just hooking themselves up with everything they need to
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So they go Stemmer down the they go down <laughs> into the basement and it's essentially a living rainforest. Yeah. And it reminded you actually said out loud. I was thinking it, but you said you're like this is like the first Resident Evil game. Yeah, yeah there's
1: there's these kind of living plant creatures they looked like they were going to jump out and attack you yeah um
0: so they they're going in there and they start realizing that in one plant there's like a hand growing out of one another one has right. a face um in the same plant at the very beginning of the first episode when they go down in the basement uh there's a plant that bites margaret yeah that that has like her face well, we weren't sure if it
1: was her face, I know. but it has a woman's face. It has a
0: woman's face. And at this point in time, I'm thinking, the Tom thought at the time was, are the plants taking human hosts, cloning based on DNA? And as soon as I thought that, mm. yes, that's what we find out. They they open a drawer, and the real, the real I'm using air quotes here that you can't see, their real father falls out of this closet. Yeah, they um, they
1: open the closet. We ex- we expect it's going to be the doctor. Yeah, but, but it's it's their dad. It's their it's their dad. Yeah, and he's bound, uh, gagged. Yes, he's he's tied up by the hands. I don't yeah. think it's handcuffs. I think it's it's tied rope or yeah. something.
0: And he's like, I've been down here for weeks. Uh, who you've been living with is actually a, it's like a plant clone. Um, they're they're copying humans, and they you know. They're they're trying to take over type deal. Yeah. So of course, who I'm going to refer to from here on out is Hat Dad because he was wearing a hat to cover his leaves. Yeah, he's wearing a ball cap yeah. to to cover his leaves. So he comes back to confuse the kids. He's like, "No, I'm your real father. That's the plant club." Yeah. I he actually to tie him up. he
1: actually looks at at um tied up re- regular dad, no hat dad. He looks at him and says, "He's a plant." And then no
0: hat dad says, "You're a plant." Yeah. Yeah. No, you're the plant. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so of course, you know, it's a back and forth of who's the real dad and who's not, right? Mm. And of course... What, what
1: movie is this? I mean, I'm sure there's, it's a trope, it's a trope sort of thing, right? Yeah. There, I know there's, there's some movies out there that they do this sort of thing. It's a typical standoff. Standoff, they have to decide yeah. which one. Oh yeah, it's a Clone. A clone, trope. clone, yeah, clone yeah. trope, yeah.
0: Um, so the, the dad who was locked up, uh, to, to try and get into the kids' good graces, he looks at Margaret, he goes, Margaret, I'm your real father princess, because oh, she yeah. mentions at the beginning of the first episode, he doesn't even call me princess anymore. Yeah, so dad's it, changed, he yeah. doesn't even call me princess. So, so to her, that's enough. She kills hat dad, and, and end scene. Yeah. <clears throat> and then it picks up, it's a couple days later. Uh, you've learned, because of his research, the dad has his job back at the university. Dr. Merrick is actually safe. Mm-hmm. He's the one who said, uh, How is he safe? He's just safe. He's I, just he, there.
1: I, I think, no, I... Th- I... If I recall correctly, I think he says, oh, I got lost around your house and wound up. I think he locked himself in the closet. It was a stupid reason. Yeah, yeah. He locked himself in the closet and he got trapped and they found him and let him out. Yeah. Lo and behold, he's safe.
0: So it's your typical happy ending. Yeah. Uh, that, you know, they're like, let's all, the mom's back at this point in time. They're like, hey, let's go inside. Let's have dinner. Um, but as Margaret's getting ready to go in the house, she has to tie her shoe. And then the flowers in the flower bed look at her, and they're like, "Margaret, I'm your father." Margaret, I'm your father. Margaret, I'm your father. And that's it. That's how the show ended.
1: Yeah. So all these other plants are claiming, even they don't have mouths. They're they're kind of, They're kind just of flowers, a, a shaking te- flowers. It, it's
0: like a telepathic sort of thing. Yeah, just shaking flowers. And that's the plot for Stay Out of the Basement.
1: Yep. Yeah. Uh, very good. I. What did you think of it? I, I liked enjoyed it. it. I, I did too. For I what thought it was. was good. Yeah. I. Uh, it uh, brought back some good memories and. Um, had some good scares, very reminiscent of the Are You Afraid of the Dark generation, right. um, era,
0: yeah. epoch. Um,
1: yeah, It was that on Netflix? It was. Uh, yeah.
0: Seasons 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5 are on Netflix. Netflix Canada, I don't know about the rest of the okay. world. Okay. Um, All
1: our listeners can go check that out exactly. I, sa- I said that it was episode 2 Stay in the Basement but I was thinking the books Was issue Book two. 2 so yeah. I don't know if that I, I think true. it was like
0: in season 2 I don't remember yeah. um, But we're going to move on to our next segment Which is something we're going to do uh, For every episode of this that we do What was this? I'm going to put it up on social networking What we're doing uh, So you at home can follow along And you can submit your thoughts On the topic mm. and we will read it So you can email us anytime at StoryStrikePodcast at gmail.com Um, and these were submitted by people who I had to reach out to because this is our first episode, and they don't know we exist yet, but it's people I know personally. I'm like, hey, you know, remember Goosebumps? What's your thoughts? Uh, So the first one comes from my wife, Miss Jessica Hazleton. She says, When I was growing up, everyone was reading Goosebumps. For me, they weren't my typical go-to read as a kid, but I was such an avid reader, I pretty much read anything I could get my hands on. So one day, when I had nothing else to read, I dove into my cousin's collection of goosebumps that they had just given my sister and I. It definitely introduced me to a whole new world of books. Some of them I found fun to read, but others were downright terrifying, and to this day I still have a hard time seeing the covers of the ones that I found scary. Really? The Night of the Living Dummy and Ghost Camp were some of those. Jess scares easily, doesn't she? Yes.
1: Horror movies and whatnot. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I really don't like ventriloquist dummies. I get so uneasy seeing them. And Ghost Camp is the reason I absolutely hated going to summer <laughs> camps when I was a kid. Thank you, R.L. Stein, for traumatizing my childhood and making me mess out on summer camps. Very good. Yeah. So thank you for submitting that, honey. Uh, the next... is, she, is she down here? I don't know if she was. No, I think she went upstairs. Okay. Uh, so the next one comes from uh, a YouTube channel called Drunken Dungeon Gaming. Uh, they were actually one of the first YouTube channels that gave Mark and I some love on Tom Fuller and Dirk and Around. Very cool. So uh, the three members of Drunken Dungeon Gaming each submitted their memories. So the first one from J-Bars, he says, All man goosebumps. I remember reading the first generation of them. I remember thinking that they were silly and imaginative. Never was I actually scared or did they cause fear. All but one. I remember the dummy that was possessed. <laughs> it was called Night of the Living Dummy, I think. I think I remember uh, why it was strangely frightening. Back when I was even little, I lived in a haunted house, so much so that doors would slam. One day, my little stuffed dog that had a voice box in it started to go off while I slept with it. This woke me up. I remember being confused because it started to say things I had never heard it say before, and yelling at me to let it go. It complained his head hurt, er, yeah, his head hurt, and started to demand everything. Literally, it said, I want everything. Then began to scream, my mom... (laughs) chalked it up to dead batteries at any rate while reading this story it sent a shiver down my spine making me remember that one frightening night he
1: he might have had the the switch on the back might have been turned on to evil
0: (laughs) like that like that treehouse of horror um or it could have been you know like a lucid dream he could have been half awake but you know yeah uh so the next one's from they say i grew up with goosebumps and it was a big part of my childhood i was never a reader when i was younger however they were fun to read back then it really was great in helping kids get into reading and expressing their imagination. They were scary at times, but not too scary for a kid, and they had a lot of funny moments as well. I'm glad I had this experience and when I have kids of my own one day I'd love to pass them on to them. And Very Benzo good. Thank yeah. You and benzo says i've always liked scary stories so it made sense back then because you know schools had those book magazine things and the very yeah. special book day where there would be tables set up and you could browse and buy the books without waiting for an order i remember that too my yeah. school did that too that was rare though right yeah it was like once a year, once a year yeah. yeah uh then i started reading goosebumps not because they overtly scared me they were actually somewhat entertaining and they read very quickly one book an hour or two for adventure so my parents went out to find more like that back at kmart was open in where i lived and i amassed quite the collection then i grew out of it all
1: right thanks benzo
0: (laughs) thanks guys uh drunken dungeon gaming uh the last one comes from miss kellyanne perry uh she says (laughs) goosebumps was amazing i remember reading them in elementary school i was around nine i think maybe younger night of the living dummy was the first one i read and i loved them all I watched the TV show and it creeped me out to no end. Well, goosebumps and Are You Afraid of the Dark? I don't remember yeah. reading any of the books that I didn't like, but I loved Vampire Breath.
1: Oh, I don't think I read Vampire. I don't Breath. think I did either. I remember the Phantom of the Auditorium. Was it Phantom of the Opera? It was something.
0: It was. It was based off Phantom of the Opera. Yeah, but I don't remember what it was.
1: It had, a, it had a kind of a cool cover. I don't remember what happened in it. There were so many. There's so many good ones, but it's been so long since I've read them that. I really just remember you know the covers yep. and kind of
0: associate that with Exactly
1: with what happened. To us. Yeah.
0: So that's episode one, Goosebumps, Pat Sweeney. Is that it? That's I it. I think we're done. I think we're done too. Very good. Uh, uh, so to know what we're doing next, make sure to follow us on social networking. You can follow us on Twitter at PT PTStoryStrike or you can follow us on Facebook. Find us at Pat and Tom StoryStrike. We will be putting up there what we are doing next so you yourself can follow along at home and send your thoughts on the subject matter at Story Strike Podcast at gmail.com. All right, thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. We that hope you fun. enjoyed it. And this has been Pat and Tom Story Strike, the podcast that digs up great stories from any medium, whether it be kids' books, literature, comics, movies, television, video games. We look for the good, the bad, and the ugly when it comes to getting a story across to the audience. Maybe we'll try to get you guys a
1: little theme songs that we can start off with. What do you think?
0: If anyone wants to make us a theme song, do it. Is that it? That's it. Bye, guys. Love ya.